Welcome, everyone, to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. We are actually well into season six here, which is just mind-boggling to me that we've done this for more than five years now. That's really cool stuff. In any case, I am your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching, and with me, as always, is our co-host, our marketing director, one of our other coaches, Jen Weibor. Hey, Jen. Hi, Adam. Been a minute. It has been a minute. Yeah, I didn't get to see yeah. you last week again. You'll see yeah. me twice this week, though. Quarterly roundtable. I'll see you twice this week. Cool. All right. We'll make. Well, we'll talk about our guest here in a minute, but make sure Dan knows about that. Right. Good point. Going to be tied up for a minute, but we do have a really cool guest again this week. A repeat guest, a friend, a colleague, and oddly enough, one of my neighbors. <laughs> Even though he is currently 2,000 miles away in Florida, welcome back to the show, Dan DeBacco. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I've definitely been enduring better weather than uh, uh, the home state right now. So Yeah, <laughs> bite me. Um, yeah, we have had an unseasonably winter-like winter. -like winter. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Most people who don't live in the Denver metro area expect the kind of winter that we're having right now. And, you know, every now and then you get a Bronco game on a national television broadcast and we're buried in the snow and people think that's how we live like it's freaking Minneapolis. Not true. Um, not true. Uh, winter here is pretty damn mild. 40s, 50s, even 60s. Very dry. Bring your chapstick. It's just that it's brown. Our entire landscape all winter long is just beige. It's, it's really a drag. But we usually don't get the kind of snow we're getting until the spring. So to have just storm after storm after storm, it was snowing again this morning, Dan. You'll be glad to know while you are basking in the Florida sun. Um, so, yeah, it's been a little strange. But, Dan, when are you back from Florida? Uh, actually, tomorrow. Uh, I was, uh, I've was. i been here for two weeks. Um, fortunately, my mom and dad were part of the Hurricane Ian situation, mm -hmm. so they needed to relocate all their gear from Sanibel and move more interior. Uh, my, my parents require the warm weather during the winters, um, originally from Ohio. So right, right. Up there in Ohio right now is kind of reminding me of Ohio and Denver. That snow sticks around forever. So yeah, it's, uh, that's what's been kind right, of odd. So. Right. When the snow turns gray and dirty, we have right. a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Don't miss that. Well, maybe we could buy Dan lunch on Thursday then. Right? Jen, you guys can chat about that when we're done here. Sure. Um, so... Dan, a lot has gone on in real estate, in mortgages, since the last time we had you on the show. Um, I, I'm almost scared to ask what kind of roller coaster ride it's put you on. We were talking a little bit before we went live about what kind of roller coaster ride it had put us on, what kind of weird changes we had seen in the mortgage space. But yeah, give us a snapshot. What did uh, 2022 look like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like pre-pandemic, we were starting to approach what I think we're going into now, at least in my my humble opinion. You know, I've been going on seven years in the business and then the pandemic hit and we all just were freaking out like everybody else. What's going to happen? And then, boom, it was uh, blazing saddles uh, for two years straight. Uh, you know, I would say the uh, fourth quarters of 21, uh, I'm sorry, of 20 and 21, uh, were my busiest quarters that I've ever had. Uh, so I felt like everybody felt like things were going to lift and rates were going to go up. So they were trying to scrounge to 
get whatever they could uh, with regard to real estate. So that's really why I felt Q4 and Q1s of those years really were so, you know, high intensity. And then, uh, you know, 2022, first quarter, second quarter uh, is where, you know, you still had that rapid fire. But I remember the day, you know, and I don't even know if it was a, you know, a Great Depression date or something like that where, you know, I could put a pinpoint. But I, I recall it was more like May or June. It was May. It Go was on. May. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yep. <laughs> where literally it's like everybody just kind of went pale white. Like, oh, my gosh, it's starting to happen. And sure enough, you know, I had buyers rocking and rolling and just started going, eh, we're going to take a step back here and kind of see what's happening. And fortunately, my uh, my product mix was listing heavy. And so I was able to still, you know, get uh, get some of my sellers taken care of before things were starting to average that 45 day mark that we're kind of seeing these days. Uh, I was able to get them, you know, kind of closed out within 21 uh, you know, to 30 days. So um, still dealing with one right now that uh, was on the market 60 days, but closes Wednesday. So, you know, it just, it's just kind of a change of events that we're all adapting to and figuring out how we can now be, uh, you know, new resources for our clients. That's so funny. Um, 60 days seems like a long time to have a house on the market. <laughs> Which <laughs> right? in history, yeah, but it's right. historically not a terrible thing. Uh, no, not at all. The, well, not that we're ever going to see a balanced market again, right? Housing shortage, it's going to last longer than my career, maybe my life. We'll see how that goes. But a balanced market is defined by a six-month inventory. Mm -hmm. So to have us in kind of a, a pickle, a panic, where we're kind of freaking out about properties being on the market for 30, 45, 60 days really just kind of requires a reality check. Um, right. You know, and don't get me wrong, again, for all of you listening, uh, certainly those of you that aren't directly in the industry, real estate mortgages, we're never going to see a balanced market. Um, we've just got too many major issues in the supply and demand problem from oh, the fact that the American culture doesn't do multi-generational living and never has, even though they do that around the rest of the world, to all of the baby boomers and boomers. I'm not calling out any specific behavior. There's just so many of you, and you're living longer, staying in your homes longer, no inventory there. Millennials, and Jen, I will call you out here, um, but the millennials, the only generation bigger than the boomers, now all of homeowning age. Um, so the builders don't build at the rate they used to. I mean, we just have so many problems that uh, we would need to figure out to solve the housing shortage that we can't. It's just beyond us. I'm going to take a room full of people a lot smarter than I am to figure that out. Hell, we tried a plague. That didn't work, right? So <laughs> yeah. here we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that 45, 60 days is really a big deal. Um, I think that's probably about where we should be if we uh, were talking about a healthy real estate economy with a housing shortage. Um, obviously, we don't really have a healthy economy in any aspect. We just kind of have a pendulum that swings back and forth. And for brief windows, it happens to look balanced. Um, but that's unfortunately the nature of that beast. But yeah, you nailed it. Uh, in May of last year, and we could go look at the mortgage-backed securities tracking, rates went way up. People expected it. They were kind of pushing the gun to make sure they weren't caught in that loop. 
and we saw mortgage volume drop off for a good long time and mortgage rates did go up for i don't know it was probably four months five months uh mm-hmm. somewhere in that range and again i'd have to go back and look at the mbs performance um but we're at like better than three solid months now of rates coming down and we don't talk about that because that's good news and the news doesn't benefit when we talk about good news so we're going to ignore that shit. um but yeah rates are probably also right about where they should be now if we had a healthy economy now they'll probably continue to come down throughout the course of this year and next year because pendulum just swinging back and forth um but yeah i don't know that i've seen and it's been a long time i'm not going to say how long because i've been doing this i've been doing this longer than there are adults on the planet <laughs> I, i've been doing this longer than people in my business have been alive so i'm not gonna uh, push it much beyond that but this still might be the best time i've seen to buy a, a home to buy real estate um, obviously, we all know the rates are damn temporary anyway. You're going to refinance your house later this year, next year, if you're buying one right now, if you bought one last year. Um, if you bought one last year, you may have already refinanced it once, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you're looking at being able to FHA streamline or VA Earl, those kinds of things where there's no headache involved or very little headache involved. Um, and that supply and demand problem is going to just keep driving values up. I don't think we get 20, 25% a year. Thank God that was ridiculously unhealthy. But with the supply and demand problem, I got to figure a 10, 12% year over year, which is probably still double what it should be if it were an actual balanced market. So am I going to complain that my house doubles in value every 10 years? Probably <laughs> not. Yeah. Uh, that it has that it nearly doubled in the four and a half years, I've uh, not even that I've owned it. Yeah, not going to complain about that either. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not going to improve. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Dan, you're probably still dealing with a lot of this shit, but I'm going to wait for the market to crash. <laughs> yep. And yeah. uh, how? What are what are you explaining to people who think that that's an option? Well, let's be honest. I mean the you know, the Great Recession wasn't that long ago. And you now have the millennium. 15 years. Right. So you now have the the millennial generation buying, which let's face it, most of them were probably living with their parents when maybe their parents were dealing with the Great Recession and and maybe having a foreclosure in their family line or maybe somebody they knew that went through it or just, you know, still just a, a recent memory for them. And so when you know parents were then educating their their children to go buy, you know they they give all these red flags of hey this is what we experienced and uh, and the rate that we did appreciate let's face it that is astronomical I mean that is just something that no one can fathom and and could continue the way that it was and so you know when you started to see this uptick in recession talk and inflation and but no one understood what would happen after post pandemic because this is really the first time we've dealt like this globally. Um, and so there was just so many outlying factors that nobody can really predict. So I think there's just been such a, just a pause, a, a true pause of let's wait and see. And if it starts to free fall, like it did in 07, 08, then cool. We're going to get ready for two <laughs> years down the road to buy. 
but we're not seeing that. And it's interesting because I actually just read a, a, a blog that I'm uh, keeping current matters. And um, they were talking about how the bottom might have might have just passed us. You know, there was maybe in the third quarter where you really saw the big drop and then we were getting into October. We haven't seen the November, December numbers just yet because it's a rolling four month average. And we started to kind of teeter a little bit less and less and less. So, you know, my prediction would be that we have now just did that correction that folks have always been kind of talking about. And uh, we're going to get more into that more balanced seasonality of what real estate is. And that's where uh, spring and summer are your peak months. And then you get into the fall and winter and it gets a little quiet and only those that need to sell and buy are buying. Um, so I think this spring and summer is going to be the real telltale of what the true barometer of the real estate market will be. I think that that's true. And I think that you're right. Um, I do also think it's important to understand that in a lot of major metropolitan areas, that spring season starts like February. Mm -hmm. It's not really, you know, based on scientific seasons. People need to understand that. But I do think historically we're used to, you know, house hunting, house selling, taking three to six months. Mm -hmm. So if I want to be prepared when my kids get out of school in the spring, I better start February, March, right. whatever that kind of mentality is. And it's just always kind of stuck with us over the decades. So I don't think that there's any surprise about that. I do think that we probably did see the bottom um, <laughs> when things really quelled. We saw where an asking price was a sale price. Mm -hmm. Right. We, we weren't seeing people pay 100 grand over ask, 50 grand over ask, even, those kinds of things. I'm seeing seller concessions. Yep. Um, yeah, these kinds of things. Um, I'm not seeing where, yeah, you can buy my house, but I'm going to rent it back for free for six months. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things have kind of gone the way of the dodo. Um, and I do hear and see a lot of chatter about real estate prices going down. And I think that that's true. I think that the consumer needs to understand that there's a lot of value to that statement, to that idea, that there were a lot of consumers, even real estate agents that were slow to adjust, a lot of price reductions. But I do think it's important that everybody understand that price reductions make it almost sound like values are going down. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Now, granted, real estate values have slowed. You're not going to get 20 or 25% year over year. We're gonna, if we look at what went on in 22, it's not going to look like 21 or right. 20. Okay. But I just want to make sure that everybody understands that price reductions, prices going down, is not the same as values going down. If you buy a house today and you were one of the people who scored a house where there'd been a price reduction, maybe you got it below asking, maybe you got some seller concessions, maybe you got your seller to buy your rate down. We're seeing plenty of that. Please take comfort in the fact that the value of that house will be higher next year and the year after and the year after for a long, long time, because that's what the supply and demand problem generates. So I think that there's a lot of that. So going into this year and through this year, assuming that there's some return to normalcy, and I hate 
using that term because nothing is normal anymore. It's all new. We've never seen an economy come out of a pandemic before. So right off the bat, that's new. But what advice would you give to your brethren on how to attract buyers and sellers this year on what to educate them on this year on what's going to be important to what's going to be important to keep Dan's business at the level he's established over the last seven and improve? Yeah, no, great question. And, uh, you know, I, I, I work with uh, uh, two other business partners, Ron Buss and Susan Todd, and we work kind of like a law firm. We, we don't have a team lead. It's just, we work in unison and we always talk about this fact, especially Q3 and Q4. And, you know, what we've always strived to do is the moment somebody's even remotely thinking of buying a house, it's beginning the education process right away. Uh, you know, because as we mentioned, maybe offline, or you mentioned earlier about the news and it's always negative. And, you know, the storyline needs to be as educational and as positive as it can be. And so really what I've done is uh, just reaching out to my sphere of influence. That's one of my major, major gener generations of revenue uh, and Same. Just reaching out to them and giving them kind of the insight of what the market's been like. And not even if they're looking to sell or buy, just more that they can even educate, uh, you know, at the, at the water cooler, at the dinner table with friends and family, uh, because, you know, it, it, there's just so much noise out there. And so the more that we can educate now, you know, then you get that that phone call back when the, maybe they are ready. Um, I, I have very much that calm, easy approach when dealing with folks. I don't have that sleazy salesman close the deal right away. So I've been working with the same buyer for seven years. Mind you, he's kicking himself for not buying seven years seven ago. Seven years ago or seven months or right. seven weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so things just take time and it's always a level of comfort that people have to have. And so it's providing those resources, showing data. Data is the number one thing and where that data is, in fact, coming from. And we, you know, of course, uh, partner up with uh, CoreLogic, and that's where we get a lot of our supporting documents and information. And we provide that to them and and really give them a sense of ease that, hey, if you're looking to buy, you have a great opportunity here because of what you can capture and gain that value, as you mentioned, year over year. Uh, you know, and so you know, when it comes to sellers, sellers are panicking because, hey, well, I wanted to upsize or downsize, but I don't want to pay that interest rate. Well, you know, I get that, but you have that refinance option and inventory is creeping up where you have some more options, but you're not going to get that 20 to 30%. So what you have to do is you have to be prepping now, doing the set the stage uh, for your home to be on the market now so that when you are ready in the spring, summer or next year, you're not scrambling around where, hey, you didn't even need to scramble two or three years ago. You just put a sign in the yard and yeah. you were right. That's so uh, true. So it's uh, a lot of a lot of my upcoming listings that I have. I've talked to them about a year ago and they're working on their updates. They're getting their cabinets refinished or bathrooms updated. And then we're going to price accordingly. Uh, when I was pricing homes right at that May time frame, getting into you know the third, fourth quarter, I already told them you're going to be seven to eight percent less than what you could have done it uh, two or three months ago. And so just that setting that expectation from you know from the beginning is really what matters the most and getting that level of expertise in those in those neighborhoods really goes a long way yeah i think that that's true i think that without equivocation one of the resounding activities techniques formulas has got to be education 
And I think that there's twofold to it. You've got to be able to explain to your, your friends, family, colleagues, clients, customers, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is that you're selling in that sense, in a manner that's very, very real, authentic, transparent, and a little sidebar, I've got a client that I'm working with right now who probably said to me on half a dozen occasions, well, some other lender told me this. And I'm like, well, that's because some other lender is pressuring you to pull the trigger on something because that's not true. It wouldn't make sense. And I sure shit wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't do it. And I'm me. And I've got some education in this field. So please don't do that. Um, that kind of thing. And I do still see a lot of that. So it's not authentic. It's not transparent. And Jen and I obviously preach those terms, those words, uh, like it's going out of style. Um, but I think the other side of it is that you and I and all of the other respected brethren in real estate, in mortgages, in insurance, in financial planning, whatever, are fighting an uphill battle because like we talked about, the media thrives on negative shit. That's what sells, right? And those guys, boy, they were raking it in during the pandemic because there's bad news. That shit sells. Mm -hmm. And we even kind of had to fabricate some news surrounding variants maybe and um, fabricate a little news about how many people were sick or dead or dying. Um, and it kind of tapered off. But you've got to understand... <laughs> all of you that are in a position responsible for educating consumers on this kind of stuff, that you're fighting an uphill battle against people that make money trying to falsely educate the consumer. Okay. So you're fighting that battle to begin with. And it's not just the news media um, and a good, a big shout out to a colleague of ours in the Springs, Antoine Glover, who, when he spoke at our mastermind event in the fall of 20, we did a live event. Yep. Everybody who attended had to have their own six-foot table. Hyatt Regency Tech Center, a ghost town. Three employees. The general manager was serving us coffee. The, <laughs> the head of accounting was, you know, bringing us lunch. That kind of thing. Nobody else staying in the hotel. But he said, just turn it off. Just turn the fucking news off. And he was right. And that made me think back to when we all saw the uh, uh, Lamborghini marketing guy answer, why don't you run television ads with the... Logical response, our customers don't watch television. <laughs> that was a no-brainer, right? So I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle. Now, granted, when it comes to the overall consumer, you can't. You cannot get them to turn off the news entirely or put down the paper or eliminate magazines. And another niche of this that I found really unique is the influencer model. How many people with huge audiences and respected opinions are absolutely batshit crazy when it comes to telling people don't buy a house? <laughs> um, and I'm not going to name some names because some of them I do uh, respect on every other subject. Uh, <clears throat> Dave. <laughs> um, come on, buddy. You got to get with it here. There was even a time where Gary V said something like that. And Cardone. Yeah, you'd be an, I think Cardone said you'd be an idiot to buy a house right now. And he put out all these numbers 
turns out they were bullshit from start to finish. Didn't show actual math on how appreciation renting versus owning, so on and so forth. Uh, the uh, uh, cost of savings index, um, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's two. It's a double-edged sword here. Not only do we have to be logical, transparent, authentic, and intelligent about the kind of information we're educating people with, but we're fighting an uphill battle because there's so many idiots out there that are literally giving them incorrect, opposite, false information. So, yeah, it's a fucking train wreck, man. Sorry. Swear jar. Swear jar. Yeah, we have a swear jar in my house. For those of you that are uh, uh, repeat listeners, my youngest has implemented a swear jar. He's picked up a pretty nasty habit from the uh, virtual reality video games and all the little buddies that he's playing with. So we're <laughs> trying to curb that shit. Plink, there goes another quarter. All right. So, Dan, what do you recommend to all of your brethren when it comes to their trench work going forward? We know education's a big one. And we know that circle of influence is a big one. And that one I can't emphasize enough. I can't believe how many times I have to steer people away from buying leads mm -hmm. to just generating leads. Right. Work the people you work your database the formula is that there's a lead per month for every hundred people in your contact database i don't have much of a contact database bullshit you have a facebook audience great convert that into a contact database linkedin insta tiktok youtube whatever you have contact databases don't lie to me now whether or not you know how to work them and whether or not you will work them um I mean, we know of people in our industry that will work a lead to death if you give it to them. They will get on it like a pit bull latch to a mailman, <laughs> right? But they cannot generate a lead to save their lives. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. So obviously, lead gen is a big piece of the puzzle. Staying in front of your circle. What kinds of things are you doing with your past clients, your leads, your advocates that would you know, be a value to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I always, when I was taught first on Wade Perry was my managing broker uh, at the time and he introduced me to working by referral and that was through the Buffini model and uh, Ninja selling. And, you know, it's, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's no. just about establishing your consistent swirling plates, if you will, that you are going to stick to for three, six, you know, 12 months, whatever, whatever it is, but you got to make sure you at least at a minimum give whatever you're doing the effort of six months to really see anything come to fruition, whether it be farming, door knocking, buying leads, which I admit I've done before with Zillow. Unfortunately, it paid itself off just barely, 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 but really they just want you to unlock the door because they're in front of the sign. Um, you know, yeah. well, the P in Zillow stands for profit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, and so it's 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 getting back to the basics, and that's uh, coffee notes and Popeyes. Um, it's hosting a quarterly event, whether you know Coldwell Banker does their night at the Rockies or their clients for life programming. I personally, you know, take a little bit of everything and work it the way that works best for me. Don't go after those shiny new whistle things or those text messages that. Ooh, especially this time of year, they're yeah. out there. They're blowing up like crazy. They're as bad as uh, your car is running out of a home or a car warranty kind of situation. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's just about getting back down to meeting for coffee or a beer or lunch 
you know, I know we're going to be penny pushing probably for a little bit. Some of these folks that maybe didn't save appropriately, which that could kind of scare people and be like a rat in the bucket trying to get out. But, you know, you just have to be patient. And this is even something I'm personally having to learn because when I entered the market, I uh, was I was in the fire. You know, that's when things were hot and crazy. But now because of the education and what I knew was on the horizon, I was already prepping myself for saving up, making sure to bat, you know, batten down the hatches, get educated and go back to the basics, which is just being in front of people and, you know, really trying to connect them with whatever they need, whether it's uh, vendors for fixing up their bathrooms or great vacation spots, really be a resource outside of real estate. And then they're going to come back and remember you because you provided something that was of value to them that uh, really didn't generally help you. You just wanted to help them, you know, feel good and move on in an appropriate way. So uh, just being a resource all around. Yeah, there. Uh, you. we'll talk about it next time, but there's a real big trusted advisor versus trusted authority uh, mentality in there. Um, yes, you obviously should be calling your real estate agent when it comes to, hey, I need a plumber, I need a landscaper, whatever. But that trusted authority, yeah, I'm going to ask Dan where I should go on vacation. <laughs> that's that's a big deal. All right. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that. But there is one thing I really wanted because you kind of glossed over it and it's really important. You got to give it time. Um, we had a coaching client, young agent, says he's going to try door knocking. Okay. I wouldn't do it. I don't think the ROI is there. I would spend my time working on video content, for example, better reach, that kind of thing. Uh, but he's dead set on it. I'm going to do four hours every Saturday. That's a commitment. Mm-hmm. shine on you crazy diamond go for it <laughs> a month later he calls me and says well that didn't work i was like look you, you did four hours every saturday uh-huh four saturdays uh-huh so that's 16 hours that's like one work day in the life of a new agent tell Amen. me it's right tell me it sucked tell me you hated doing it but don't tell me it didn't work correct do it for a year every saturday i promise you that shit will work all right so jen yes i see by your uh look you're shifting you're manipulating our shit in the background and we have (laughs) run out of time dan thank you um our episodes with you always seem to whip by i don't know how that was only seven minutes because that's certainly (laughs) what it felt like great dialogue Um, it always is no question we love having you on the show let's do it again Yes, sir. Um, and Jen, what else do we need to know? Ah, Jen, you. I have, picked, I have stuff you, to talk about. You picked a date. I did. Uh, I picked well, two dates. But real quick, us. I do want to say, Dan, you're the first one to really mention with the millennial generation our experience with the recession. And I think that's gold. And I don't think. I don't think we've even talked about it at a round table because I mean, I was 18 when that happened. Like I was in college. So I was in a little bit of a bubble because college, but um, I think that's a really interesting point that more people need to pay attention to is our parents talking in our ears about that experience and how that's affected our mindset around buying a house. So. Absolutely. Really? Cause I thought we were just listening to TV dad now. <laughs> on that I'm gonna, note, I'm gonna ask Uncle Phil about buying a house. Oh boy! All right, all right. That's good. An old reference, God. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um. So we set a date for Social Media Day, Denver. It is Friday, June. 23rd at Metro State University. We're partnering with them again. Huge shout out to Metro State. Um, they really help make this event possible every year. It's a beautiful facility. 
hopefully air conditioned this year, but that's okay. We survived last Ooh. year. <laughs> that, it was rough last year, um, but we did survive. Um, and before we go too much down that road, Metro Metropolitan State University in Denver, uh, on the area campus, shout out, they actually do have a social media marketing degree program which is huge. And yes, they provide us a facility and they provide us an intern and they help with uh, job placement for people that we need. I mean, fantastic stuff. Cannot say enough nice things about them and their program. Yeah. So Friday, June 23rd, that does mean that I am actively looking for both speakers and sponsors, or if you want to be a combination of the two, please reach out to me. Um, but you can get all the contact information for just the tips by texting tips to 63566. We also set the date for Mile High Mastermind. That is September 29th and 30th, which sounds like a long way away, but I think we'll blink and it'll be here. So um, definitely social media day. If you own a business, if you're part of a business, basically anyone, if absolutely anyone, then Social Media Day Denver is for you. We have a blast at that event. Mile High Mastermind is lead generation focused. So again, bring your people, come hang out with us for two days. Social Media yeah, Day. Yeah, that one's really for the mortgage and real estate folks. Yeah. We've had some insurance and some, you know, credit yeah. people and whatever, but yeah, yeah. Social Media Day really is just a big party. We all went to dinner afterwards. Um, it's a good time. That so. was a good time. Yeah. So if you're interested in speaking or sponsoring, please reach out to me. Please do not reach out through DMs. Email me at smdaydenver at gmail.com. Um, I'm trying to put a stop to the DMs because I get overwhelmed. So <laughs> Friday, June 23rd for that. But text tips to 63566. You can get a copy of Adam's book, Just the Tips. You can book a free hour of coaching with us. Um, you can get all the past episodes, six seasons, well, five completed seasons of the podcast. All the things. All the things. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan. We love having you on the show, man. Even when it's from the guest room in Florida. <laughs> um, which is really cool. Hopefully next time you'll be back. Yes, sir. Actually, you're going to be back this week. Uh, yep. So Jen, put a bug in Dan's ear about the round table. Mindy's going to email you. So I'd right, love oh. to see you on Thursday if you're free. Yeah, we'll uh, buy everybody lunch again. Um, and yeah, I guess that's about it. Why don't we uh, sign off again? Thank you all for tuning in. You can catch us live on Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time or in syndication on Apple Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. All the social media channels. All the things. You guys are a big name now. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge. In fact, we're doing so well, I can now afford to wear two t-shirts. Hey, there we I'm, go. I am stylish. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys next week. Thanks again, Dan. We love you, brother. See you guys. Thanks again.